Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about music and the Bible. I'm Matt Cable, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church and part-time chaplain to the Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival in Indio, which is translated Indian, California. What? We should have used Google, like that, the Google Translate app while we were there. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder, uh, where it's been snowing this week. What? You have snow? Snow. Snowstorm yesterday. the end of April. I know. It was 95 degrees just a couple days ago when we were together. Wow. Hmm. Well, we're, uh, we're still recovering cool. from the epic that was Coachella. I think the last time we were on this podcast... Which everyone in the world has now listened to. Every We've single got one of them. 451 plays. That's most of the people in the on the planet, I think. 495. We're at 495 right now, man. Oh, 495. We could Our make history couple, for the channel. Both of you that haven't listened yet should definitely check it out and leave us a review on iTunes <laughs> because I've heard that helps. I don't know how. It just oh, it definitely helps. Leave a review. A positive review, preferably. (laughs) I mean, if you take the time, you might as well just lie and make it five stars. (laughs) I expect five stars or one stars. Completely up to you. Zach, the last time we were on this podcast, we were talking about uh, the first two days of Coachella. We talked about Friday and Saturday. We especially spent a lot of time talking about Beyonce because uh, it just... It's incredible. It's like a meteor hitting the earth. I've been thinking about it even more since then. Do you know, I was looking at the set list because I prepared a sermon on this topic, which was more popular online than it was in my congregation. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, there was like, there was at least one row that was like totally with me and Mm -hmm. loving it. And that was all I needed. I just kept eye contact with them. (laughs) And uh, the people that were like, when is this going to be over? You know, it's like not every sermon is for everyone. It's okay. One of my favorites, I was at the Festival of Homiletics a couple years ago, and, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, Will Williman. Uh, Will Williman was uh, was preaching, and he's, he's pretty funny. He said one, he told a story about one Sunday, somebody came up to him and was like, you know, Pastor, I just, I didn't get anything out of your sermon today. And he said, well, it's not my fault. Jesus didn't have anything to say to you. <laughs> I was like, that's fantastic. I like it. I approve. <laughs> right? It's mm-hmm. good. I'm on, I'm in um, so uh, anyway, Jesus had something to say to, to us through Beyonce. So I was looking at the, the set list and she, so she started, I didn't realize this time, she started with crazy in love. And then she went through this whole roller coaster of emotions, right? Dragon breathing fire uh, mm-hmm. through all of it. And then ended with love on top. So the whole set is bookended by love which may or may not be relevant for the texts that uh, we're looking at in this what? Easter season. I know. And then the other thing I loved is that I realized that that song lift every voice came right between uh, freedom and formation. Mm. So this movement, this movement from freedom to formation, it's just a Lutheran movement, right? We're mm-hmm. set free first. You don't get in formation and then you're set free. We're set free first to be in formation. And what's the bridge that gets us there? We lift every voice. It's amazing. I mean, this is theology. What? She's doing stuff. She is doing stuff, Matt. And hopefully <laughs> she is pulling this church into that formation because what this church needs, Matt, <laughs> is a little more hot sauce in their bag. <laughs> Swag. Yeah. my uh, I have my Holy Communion kit in my bag. 
So that's my hot sauce. <laughs> Oh, oh Matt, anyways, Matt, so, my friends and family uh, have really appreciated my trip to Coachella uh, because every other sentence now is uh, so at Coachella this year. And then I, I continue whatever story it was going to be. And so they're uh, they're really into that. Not unlike your uh, well, in 2013, when we were here at Coachella on this <laughs> See, that's now you're. That's how it happens. You, how, I've, I have you, been, I have gone through the waters. I've been formed. <laughs> the waters, which are really dust. It's really, really dust dusty back. waters. I've been through the waters of the the, the, the trailer showers, and yeah. forever changed. Oh well, if you uh, if you enjoyed thinking about the theology of Beyonce, we you can now wear that theology proudly, what? proudly on your body. <laughs> With our new t-shirts. We got t-shirts. T-shirts. You wanted that merch. We got that merch. <laughs> and appropriately enough, I mean, it's appropriate. Our first our first t-shirt. I mean, we don't expect this to be our last t-shirt. No. It's just our first t-shirt. No. Uh, is Beyonce themed. Uh, it says, wake, pray, slay. And it's off the Gospel of Mark, where she just gets up early in the morning, goes out to a quiet place, place to pray, and then uh, goes out casting out demons and proclaiming the good news. Wake, pray, slay. Uh, check it out. Go get yourself a T-shirt. Twenty dollars. Go to the go to the Facebook. You can go to the website vinylpreacher.com. See it on the Twitter, on the Insta. We've been killing the Insta lately because because I've decided that I was right and that Twitter sucks and there's no need for us to really be on it. Uh, but the kids these days love the Insta. We got that gram on the IG. Uh, you can order your shirt. It's only twenty dollars through Custom Ink. All proceeds. Uh, help uh, the youth group over there at St. Mark's uh, get to get to Houston, hometown of one uh, BDK, Beyonce <laughs> D. Knowles. Yeah, so we uh, we appreciate any help that you can provide, uh, and for your trouble, for your donation, you get a sweet T-shirt. Do it. Just sweet check it out. shirt. Do it, Matt. You know, in, in many ways, this is a contextual ministry. This podcast. Uh, not only are we responding to the contextual realities of of living in the uh, in the PBE, the post Beyonce era, uh, in which now everything has changed uh, since since last weekend, two weeks ago, um, but one of the observations that that I had at Coachella was that um, people are just in desperate need of clothing from the waist up. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's true. There's a real shortage. There's a real shortage of of above the waist clothes in the world, uh, and that's why we're making T-shirts uh, to help all of you. Look, maybe you're listening to the podcast right now. Take a look at yourself. Uh, are you wearing? Are you nude from the from the waist up? If so, this is a great option. It's a T-shirt. It will cover everything from your. I mean, not everything, but a lot of things from the waist up. It's we're just here to help help serve the world, just like the church. That's what we exist for. I guess what we're trying to say is, you're welcome. <laughs> De nada. I've been I've been listening to Moana in Spanish because if I listen to it in English one more time, I'm gonna move back to Indio. <laughs> so we only talked about the first two days of Coachella. What uh, do we have any thoughts on the on the third and final day? I mean, this is a triduum. It's a it's a it's not just it a is one day thing. This is a liturgy festival, Matt. With the third day made it. Right. Um, I mean, really, we should spend a whole other podcast processing Beyonce post third day because because it just framed uh, what happened on the third day in such powerful <laughs> contrast. Um, most importantly, on the third day, we secured merch. Uh, <laughs> we did. 
We got merch. It's too bad our t-shirts weren't hanging up there. (sighs) Man, next we're going to be on top of it next year. They're going to be selling our merch. Matt, day three, uh, trilogy, tritium, just like you said, uh, Star Wars focused. San Holo uh, was going uh, over in the Sahara. Hello. <laughs> did we walk by him? I think we walked by him. I think we did. Uh, and then, most impressively, Miguel, uh, later on, uh, skywalked on the Maters. Yeah, he was really good. He told this really interesting... Uh, he gave some of his background. Is his mom from Mexico or his dad's from Mexico? I think his dad's from Mexico. His dad is from Mexico. From, from Morelia or mm. from Michoacan. Maybe a different city in Michoacan. And his mom's from Inglewood. And, uh, yeah, and he really claims that. Like, I was surprised when he said Miguel. He pronounced it like, he pronounced it with, like, a, a real Spanish accent, which was, like, not how I had been pronouncing it. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, this is legit. He is legit. Yeah, he was really fascinating. He was really fantastic. He was um, good. We saw, uh, we saw a little bit from a distance of Cardi B. Mm-hmm. That's the, after Beyonce, that's the second person everyone in my community asks me about. Did you yeah. see Cardi B? So, and my brother asked me, like, how was Cardi B? Like, should I go? And I was like, well, and then I, I thought about, I was like, she's fine. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, here was the problem. I think we were really far back. Mm-hmm. So we could see it kind of happening from a distance. But we really didn't get any of the energy of it, right? Mm-hmm. It was more just kind of observational. So I was like, if you're really, if you're really into Cardi B, if she's like your priority, you should get close up and like soak up some of the energy of that. And so he did and he thought it was pretty phenomenal. Uh-huh. Uh, and everybody that uh, that watched online was also talking to me about how in the world did she do all that dancing while being extremely pregnant? <laughs> My understanding of pregnancy is you either are or you aren't. You know, it's not a percentage <laughs> thing I've been told. Um, we were pretty far back. Didn't didn't get the energy of it. I was glad that we caught the part where Chance the Rapper came out. Yeah, uh, Chance came out. Yeah. If anything, I regret not being closer uh, to 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 absorbing the chance. Um, yeah. But we got to see a little chance. So that was that was a fun fun surprise. I just I keep thinking chance has gotta be like a candidate for a feature headliner, right? Oh, like please. one of these years. Yeah, it's gotta be. Like who else who else are they getting like in terms of rappers out there right now? Like okay, they did Kendrick, they did Eminem, he's sort of old school now. Uh you gotta think chance is the up and comer. Yeah. I mean I would have I, I, I wonder here's a question for you, Matt. <clears throat> yeah. I wonder if uh, the concert, the, the event planners and promoters actually had a difficult time with headliners this year um, because you knew you're going up against Beyonce. <laughs> you had to like schedule around it. Um, yeah. And so maybe that actually explains a bit of Eminem who doesn't feel like he should be a headliner these days anymore. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Marshall. Well, it's. I mean, it's interesting. Like if you went back and looked at the headliners from past years, I mean, I'm. <laughs> We used to have guns and I'll tell you in the old days, Zach, the old days of Coachella. Back in your twenty fifteens, your twenty sixteens. Nineteen ninety three. A C D C was my first headliner at Coachella. I'm like, what? And to Guns N' Roses reunion. Uh, so this was actually this actually felt pretty fresh. Continuing the tradition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but uh, yeah, so we're all right. Other before we got to Eminem, we saw. Um, so Portugal, the man was pretty entertaining. They I was going to go over and see part of Kamasi Washington, mm-hmm. but I'd already seen him. And I think Portugal, the man kind of sucked us back over because we were like, "Ooh, what are they doing? They're <laughs> doing that to be totally worth it. Yeah, they had uh, words on the screen 
And that's what caught us, because you're like, what does that say? Yeah. And we're like, right. we're old men and can't read from this far away. We need to walk closer <laughs> to see what the yeah. words on the screen say. Uh, but they were so much fun, right? Yeah. Like, you're, if you're here for Odessa, you're, you're, you're a little early. A little early. <laughs> Towards the end, the screen said, uh, don't worry, we're about to wrap up. We want to go see Migos. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then and the they best have part, one. Yeah, the best part. They have one hit right now. Yeah, one hit. And they were like, right before they played the hit, they said, "Don't worry, we're gonna play that song next." <laughs> and then they did. And then I were like, "Yeah, this song's great." And then on the screen it said, "Your mom loves this song." <laughs> <laughs> they got us. They got, got us. us. Uh, they also had their their like backing band and backing choir were all wearing different Portland Trailblazers jerseys, which was just a pretty great shout out to their hometown. It was, and I I've watched a little basketball this week since we've been back, Matt, and that's the best version of the Blazers I've seen all week. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they got sweat. Oh. Portland, mm. still a great town. We hope to see you there at the. Uh, well, Zach hopes to see you there. Zach hopes to see you there this, this summer at the Campus Ministry Conference. That's right, live show, Campus Ministry Conference. I'll fly up for a day just to do a podcast. That's right. Take the hyperloop. Come on, Elon Musk, get on this. Quit worrying about outer space and worry about the West Coast. The West Coast. <laughs> Oh, we oh. did not see Migos, though. We, we did uh, not we see Migos. It. But, you know, we were trying to do something for a friend. And, and you know, that experience we had the night before with Post Malone, where it was just a madhouse over at Sahara, yeah. and that if we, we would have needed to gotten there well in advance of the show, uh, didn't feel like you were going to be able to just slide up into Migos. <laughs> no, we would not be able to slide up in there. Especially, they actually had they had the French Montana lead in too, um, and Migos was going to overlap with Eminem as well. So there was a hard choice to be made. So we uh, we laid down our lives uh, for the sheep. That's what we did. We went to see a perfect circle, and we got up really close. Like we were really we so the close. Railing. Yeah, it was it was nuts. Like we were really close, but there were. So we went there. Um, for a friend who really loves Perfect Circle, and much much respect to you, Kevin, because I know, like my favorite band, is very easy to make fun of, uh, for all kinds of reasons, old and new. So, so we say this with love. <laughs> but there was like a very so there was a very small crowd. Fun fact, like Matt, crowd, I went. Uh, no. Some people may have seen that you pointed it to me. Uh, the Chris uh, <laughs> Milani, Melanie, the long. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah. He uh, he did like was it Snapchat or Instagram stories yeah. of being at Coachella. Based on his Snapchats, we were standing basically right beside him at the Perfect Circle show. We should have seen him because there were fifteen people there, <laughs> and only one of them had been on Law and Order. It was a really, it was a really small crowd and a crowd that we couldn't figure out. Like we'd never seen any of them, any any other. Like where did they come from? It was like a perfect. Well, they came directly from the Trump rally, but they're. Um... <laughs> yeah, it was really, yeah, yeah. It was a different crowd than um, Cardi, Cardi B, B yeah. yes, for sure. Uh, <laughs> and and we were, <laughs> but they were a really committed crowd. Super because the committed. guy, the guy next to us said, "No sleeves." Like, you want yeah, a picture? Let's let's paint the picture. Okay, no there are a bunch of basically. 
It was the only show where Matt and I fell below the median age of the audience. Um, uh, It was the only show uh, where where Matt and I were probably not the whitest people there. And the only show where Matt and I had the most sleeves. uh, Well, no, that was all the shows. Uh, But so picture this gentleman, uh, no sleeves. I didn't see him. Definitely has uh, facial hair, probably a goatee, but not like a good one. Um, And so that's there. There are there are tens of people gathered around the stage when this happens, Matt. just, just, just take that, take that image with you to set this up. Take that image with you, and then add to it this audio of this guy just trying to get everybody around him going and saying, "Hey guys, we really, we really got to cheer for them because they deserve our best. We have to give them our best because they deserve it." There aren't a lot of us. We have to give them. <laughs> yeah, he was looking around, clearly noticing there were not a lot of us. <laughs> so we have to give them our best. Now, unknown to this guy, uh, Zach and I had already decided that we were leaving after two songs. <laughs> and we were standing right next to him. So we somehow had to sneak out from the front of the show, <laughs> like two songs in. And this crowd, like, uh, I, I don't know what a per- like most of a Perfect Circle's music sounds like, but their first few songs were, like, very, like, slow but like serious like mystical and everybody was like plugged into it in a mystical way like everybody around us was like having a spiritual experience and so which is you know hey if you've seen the picture uh online of me at the u2 concert that that's you know i felt that way i understand where you're coming from but we had to like sneak around about 15 first man we had to discern when the songs had ended Sure, we couldn't, we couldn't even tell. <laughs> they didn't stop, but they like, but they also had never really started either. It was, it was really awkward. We had to sneak out because we had to get over and see Eminem. We had to go who, see Eminem and relive our high school days of when Eminem was dope. Oh. In his own words. In his own words. Oh, Eminem, Matt. Yes. Are you ready for that? Eminem. Yeah, yeah. So Eminem put on a fun show. So I thought what was. Uh, so he put on a fun show, um, came out, did his thing. I think it's really interesting because Eminem's got sort of two – I feel like he has like two halves to his career. Mm-hmm. He's got like the um, – those early hits where he really – well, like then when he started playing them, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember like these songs were huge. Like he was he, – yeah, he was really huge when he first came out. And then more recently, he has had some radio hits, but they tend to be like – um, him and like someone singing a hook, whether it's Rihanna, uh, lately Beyonce and Ed Sheeran. Um, who's the late, who's the, the singer that he brought out? Um, oh yeah. Haley, somebody, I can't remember. Not Dido. Not Dido. It's knock off Dido. <laughs> um, but he said, he said a couple of those like pop hits lately that tend to be like a hook plus him rapping, but that's different from when like. I mean, I know Dido sang the hook on that song, but he also used to do, like, his own hooks, like the Slim Shady songs were, like... And I was cracking up, but, like, they were, they were pretty... Skylar Gray. Skylar Gray. Skylar Gray, that's right. Skylar Gray. He brought her up. He did have some fun guests. He brought up 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I'd forgotten how much I, how much fun 50 Cent is. <laughs> and he was having a blast. He had a grin on his face, like, the whole time. He was having way more fun than Eminem, who, like, barely cracked a smile. Because that's his deal. He but, was uh, having way more fun than the time that I saw him at Hazel's uh, Liquor Mart in Boulder when he was hawking <laughs> his uh, his vodka. 
brought out 50 Cent, brought out uh, Jimmy Kimmel via video for a bit that almost worked. And uh, definitely didn't. That's one of the things I bring up here, Matt. I'm ready to bag on Eminem. I appreciate your <laughs> your uh, your political well, approach. He brought here. out, he brought out uh, Dr. Dre. That was fun. Oh, that know? was fan. That was that was. They did. Incredible. They did California Love. They did uh, nothing but a G thing. And Eminem took the Tupac first and the Snoop mm-hmm. first. G thing. I mean, they were like that was fun. That was Dre great. Made a, made a party. It was good. My my disappointment. Here's my disappointment, and then you can talk all about your disappointments, because I know you're rearing up. But I just wanted the guest that I was missing. Uh, when they brought out Dr. Dre, there's a part in the Slim Shady song where he goes, Dr. Dre's dead, he's locked in my basement. And when they did that, everything froze. And they went, oh, shit. And they all stopped. And then Dr. Dre came out, and everyone went, what? And I just really wish that when they were doing Lose Yourself, and he said... There's no Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> that he should just said, "Oh shit!" And then Mackay Pfeiffer walks out on stage. I just thought that would have been amazing. Missed I told opportunity. That, uh, I told that. I told that joke to Kevin, and he he then referred to Mackay Pfeiffer by his name in the Eight Mile movie because that's the f- kind of fan my brother is. <laughs> What's his name in the in the Eight Mile movie? <laughs> Skyler Gray. <laughs> yeah. So what did you, what's, what's your hot take on Eminem? I mean, my hot take on Eminem is that you couldn't help but really see, uh, view Eminem through the contrast. Uh, and maybe maybe you've got loaded hot takes on, on the Beyonce uh, Eminem uh, contrast one night after the other. But even within that day, uh, the, the Jimmy Kimmel mean tweets bit uh, that didn't really work for Eminem was like this attempt at self-awareness the Portugal the man nailed, right? Like that's they were just really good at it, and Eminem missed the mark on it, right? So not even being compared to the Beyonce, but even on the self awareness scale. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, like, gosh, yeah, we were thinking about it after the show in terms of like, I mean, Beyonce really bringing like this kind of pr- this pride in Black America, uh, and if and if she's going to represent Black America, I mean. Damn, she did it. And we've since learned, right? We were just there the day after that that the band was made for that event of alums of historically black colleges and universities, right? Like not not even just like a hired band, like intentionally pulling this community from around the, the country together. No, I mean, just not enough you can say about that. But then the next night we get a white artist, right? And a white hip hop artist. And so... Now, granted, like, well, no, actually, in some ways, like, it's not like their careers are really that far off chronologically, right? I mean, like, some of Beyonce's first hits were, like, around the year 2000. I mean, you could, it's not, it doesn't line up perfectly, but, like, they actually have both been around a while. Mm -hmm. You think about it. It's just that Beyonce is, like, just now hitting this new level of creative stride. I mean, mean, you know, they're just, I don't know, their trajectories are a little bit different. But actually, I was going to say Eminem's just been around a lot longer, but actually, no, he hasn't. Like, no. they both have been around a while. But so, like, so what if Eminem is representing white America? Now, it's not entirely fair to him because he didn't come at it with the same, I think, intent. He wasn't coming at it trying to hit a grand slam the way Beyonce did. But still, the contrast was, was pretty unavoidable. A couple of interesting... So, uh, the back Eminem's backdrop was not um, a pyramid of historically white colleges and universities. It was 
it was just a screen with um, the image of like this urban image of uh, of buildings, and the building slowly decayed over the course of his set. It was on fire at some at points, like burned out windows. Uh, it just gradually decayed throughout the course of his. You know, also covered in blood from that time that he kept yeah, mur- was murdering women. That was the whole. That was kind of a bummer, but yeah, covered in blood. Uh, I did not notice this. Kevin said that during the song "Monster," there was like a like a monster hopping around in the background, destroying the <laughs> building. I totally didn't even notice that. No, uh, but but yeah, this decaying. I thought it was like I'm just thinking of Eminem from Detroit and thinking about this as like this decaying Rust Belt city, and whether that might be a. I don't know. It's it's a window into white America in this age of Trump. Um, yeah, I'm conflating a whole bunch of things, but Beyonce conflated a lot of things too, and it worked. Like she did it in a way that like I'm gonna drop a whole bunch of connections here, uh, and somehow they fit together. And it's interesting if you try to do that with what Eminem's uh, show did. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Um, my brother, who's a who's a who loves Eminem, also pointed out that that kind of decay, and then at the end of the show, it's kind of like remade. Uh, the building was kind of remade. It looked new and fresh again. And he connected to, to Eminem's. The last couple of albums that he's done have been called like like Relapse and then Recovery. Um, and he talked a little bit about his own journey of um, addiction and sobriety. And so that may have been the lens for him too. It may have been a much more personal lens. But uh, yeah, so there's a piece of that there too. It's just, it's interesting though, like to think about like, well, how is how is white America represented um, artistically? I mean, what other white artists uh, could they get to headline? Think about who headlined the Super Bowl. We had Justin Timberlake, right? Who seems to be equally not self-aware lately, right? Like um, somebody that's made just, I I mean, he's made some really great pop music and um, I posted something slightly critical of him online and my brothers both just ripped me to shreds for it because they love Justin Timberlake. But he also like, that his neom has not been well received because he's just not doesn't seem to have a good sense of like the moment that we're in and how to speak as a white person in this really this time that we find ourselves in so i don't know can you think of other artists that might uh stand alongside beyonce probably nobody can stand alongside beyonce at this point in time but i don't know like who else is what other voices are out there and yeah um just, like on that scale, right? There are yeah. plenty of small artists, but on that yeah. scale, like who's doing point that? Of, point of information, Matt. Uh, the Slim yep. Shady LP came out in February of 1999. And, wow. uh, and Destiny's Child's first album, The Writings on the Wall, that included Say My Name, came out in Jan- June of 1999. So actually wow. mirrors wow. pretty good mirroring. Uh, yeah, I don't think there is. Uh, this week, uh, some of... Um, uh, some things got shared onto my uh, Facebook wall, or not my wall, but I saw on my Facebook feed, uh, was a clip from The Breakfast Club, the morning radio show, where Taylor Swift, uh, who might have been like the great white hope here, released this copy of uh, of Earth, Wind, and Fire September, and it's not good, first of all. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, but it's not only not good, right, but like Charlemagne the God and then just destroyed it as like the... The worst version of what he calls mayonnaise music, which perhaps is 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 uh, uh, symptomatic of where where white artists might find themselves these days, right? Um, yeah, I mean the white artist that's been winning Grammys. I mean you could look at Adele. Mm, I don't know that Adele really. No. I mean she does like relationship songs. She's got a great voice, but I don't know that she's doing. She's more of a moment, I think, than a you know. Yeah, we'll see where her, where where she goes, like what mm-hmm. what she does, but. 
I don't know. She's not. I don't think she engages like the culture in the same way. No. It's just it's an interesting picture of America. Beyonce yeah. and Eminem, right? Like how this. <laughs> oh. Maybe this Beyonce Eminem uh, image will will help us as we get into the text. I think I see some connections. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Good. If you're uh, if you're ready for, let's do it. Let's the, do it. The T four T. Man, here we are. Was it six Sunday after Easter? Somehow, it is almost ordinary time, but it's still extraordinary. We still got the glow uh, from living in Beyonce's world. Uh, and like we said last week, we got the first part of this John fifteen. This week, we get the second part uh, for your gospel. There's some pretty good other stuff going on here, though. Again, uh, no Old Testament reading still. Uh, Matt, are you are you are you uh, digging the axe again this week? Yeah, I think so. Um, cause I'm preaching. I've, I've written most of my sermon for last Sunday. <laughs> for the chronology of when you're listening to this podcast, of course I've written all my sermon for last Sunday. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I'm, you know, thinking back to last week, uh, we had Philip and the Ethiopian non-binary, uh, gendered person and, and how radical it was that that person is welcomed into the fellowship, right? Being both, um, both Ethiopian and a eunuch. And then here, the theme kind of continues in an interesting way, where the, the Spirit of God in Acts is poured out even on the Gentiles. That word even is there, even on the Gentiles. What? And uh, and it seems like people are really confused about that. And Peter says, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing? I mean, this really is like an echo of, it'd be a good B-side to that single, yeah. the hit single of uh, Philip and Ethiopian. You still even have uh, the genitalia focus, so that's good. Yeah, just circumcised believers. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Well done, Zachary. You've been listening to a lot of Eminem. I've been listening to a lot of Eminem. So, uh... <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I haven't, Matt. Sidetrack, we're going to go back. Uh, Matt, I got so excited when I came home. Uh, I went ahead and did it. I bought tickets. Uh, going to Heim Memorial Day uh, at Red Rocks. Wow. I'm so excited. The past uh, day when I've not been working, I've been squeezing and trying to figure out how you get media access to Heim. So hopefully we'll have Heim on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. As long as we can tell the bassist how amazing her facial expressions are. There's a whole, I've fallen down some rabbit holes. It's a whole thing. Her Twitter handle handle used to be bass face. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Go back and listen to last week's episode, the two of you who haven't. Uh, and and hear about our all our Coachella all face team. I don't know that anyone made the all face team on Sunday. That's that's worth saying. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> maybe 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 Fifty Cent. He had the grin the whole time. He was very he happy. was he was really happy. <laughs> and while we were bagging on on Eminem there, uh, ending with Dr. Dre was a whole lot of fun. And then Eminem also gave us the only encore like thing. Uh, he did not play Lose Yourself, and then it ended, and there were no encores, like, because it's a festival, right? Right. Uh, but then he came back on and did, and did Lose Yourself, so. But circumcision, am I right? Circumcision. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just really, it's really interesting, you know. Um, I mean, I don't know that the, you know, the church has been talking so much about, uh, well, I'll say this, the predominantly is this a fair word predominantly white elca church uh has been talking a lot about being about what it would mean to be more multicultural and how you become a church uh that is truly made up of 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 all peoples you know 
the scriptures actually have things to say about this, right? Like, especially when we get into the book of Acts. And it's not just that familiar Pentecost story where everybody's speaking different languages. It's a, it's a trajectory that continues throughout the book. Here we are in the 10th chapter of Acts, and people are freaking out because can this be for Gentiles too? I mean, this Jews and Gentiles thing is huge. And I, I don't think we've done enough um, unpacking and exploring that uh, in the church, um, at least not in the churches that I've been a part of. So it's there. If you want to explore some of this stuff, man, it is right here in Acts. This is not a, a flash in the pan hot topic of 2018. It's it's here in the scriptures. It's it's right here in 218. <laughs> That's right. Drop that zero. Drop that zero. Yeah, get a nice Philip. If you missed preaching the hell out of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, don't worry. You can do it again. What repetition uh, throughout this Easter season. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, you get a lot of John, more John preaching, no narrative again in this John 15, Matt. Um, and it gets, it's all in that Johannine language. Uh, as the Father's left me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. Um, abide in his love. Blah, blah, blah. This is my commandment, love, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has love greater than this to lay one down one's life for one's friend, friends, which is what you said last week. Um, but here, that's the part where I think you have a pretty, there's an in, an interesting uh, thing here. Uh, and that is that Jesus calls the folks he's talking to his friends. Uh, and he does that repeatedly to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Um, a little bit later on, second half of verse 15, I've called you friends. Uh, you did not choose me. Well, um, he calls them friends over and over and over again, which our good friends Warba and Melina say is really important. Uh, and the, what, is, what it's indicative of uh, is of kinship. Um, if you look at the kind of social science of, of the biblical kind of times, um, hard for us to completely understand it, but um, you were only responsible to your kinship group, to your family. You didn't have any social obligation to care for people outside of it, right? That's why you could walk past the Samaritan on the side of the road. But also, you you were responsible to your kinship group to the point of and beyond death. Um, you cared for them above and above your own concerns, and they did the same for you. So there was intense loyalty within that group. And what Jesus is doing here is saying that those kinship groups, those circles that are that are necessary and essential for people's survival to this point, a group of people who are committed to caring for you, uh, really actually sounds like a good deal, right? Uh, and they needed it. Uh, but but Jesus has broken that open, and this thing that Jesus is asking us to abide uh, abide in is calling us to abide in is is abiding in us is the thing that breaks open those closed circles that are limited by our our genetics, um, by our DNA, and instead our who, so then who is in, who are Jesus's friends? Who are the people that Jesus is willing to to lay down his life for and ask us to die for one another, not just for Jesus? And then yeah, I think you take it back through the lens of the Acts text that even the Gentiles, even the uncircumcised are a part of this family. And then even if you want to take it into that first John, everyone who loves the parent loves the child. Uh, and by this, we know that we love the children of God. The call to love Jesus is not just a call to love Jesus, but it's a call to love all the children of God. Um, and so you get this really expansive growing because we did vine and branches last week, right? Kinship group, uh, which I think is good news. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the Easter season. I mean, this is all coming in the season, not after Easter, 
but of Easter. You're welcome, Kevin Strickland. That's right. This is your obligatory mention in the podcast. But if we're thinking about what what the resurrection means, what the triduum means, what what's this big thing that God has done? I mean, this stuff isn't coming in ordinary time. This is coming in the 50 days of Easter. I think this is still a thing that we have to preach is what is what does Easter mean? I think for so for so many in the culture, and this includes people in our pews, you know, it's your golden ticket to the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not what it seems to be about here. It seems to no. be about a redefined kinship. You know, it seems to be about a, about the community and how it's um, transformed and deepened, how it grows, not just in numbers, partly in numbers. But when it grows in numbers, notice the, the new numbers you're bringing in are not people like you. And when it grows deeper, I mean, just what that looks like. If we're thinking about what Easter means and what the resurrection means, this is what we're talking about, which is, I just think is still counterintuitive to pop culture Christianity. It's also relevant. When does this show up in the Gospel of John? You probably have your Bible in front of you, unlike me, who just has the lectionary printed out. I may not. It's the, is it the farewell discourse? Isn't this like... This is the farewell he's discourse. Like, he's talking to them at dinner. He's getting ready to leave them. I mean, we've now transitioned through this Easter season where we're we're almost looking ahead now to Ascension and Pentecost, right? I mean, this is Easter 6. Yeah. Easter 6. So Jesus is getting ready to leave. I mean, we're also kind of transitioning and looking ahead and thinking about, well, what, how are we supposed to, how are we supposed to be um, when Jesus is in God? Yeah, it's right in the heart of that, that uh, farewell discourse. And the ones who are now, and, and I, think, I think we want to be careful with our language this week, the same way we were careful with the language around the Ethiopian eunuch. In the, I think our, like, because this is the way we talk about it and how we normally talk about becoming a multicultural church, is that who do we need to bring in to be this Easter community? And I don't know that that's the, perhaps it's better, more faithful to frame it as in that kind of first John language of these are, who are the people that I'm indebted to? Who are the people that are going to care for me? Um, I think is a different thing than like the, than any sort of emphasis on, that has uh, changed in our demographics at the top of that list to say that we're indebted to the foreigner, to the Ethiopian, to the Gentile, to the non-binary, to say not just that we're indebted to them, but the people who will, who our future depends on and whom we must count on to care for us are the foreigner, are the, the non-binary, the Ethiopian, the Gentile. In the same way, I'm still like... Uh, I did not get to preach on Sunday, uh, but if I did, I would have preached the hell out of the idea that that the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch makes us whole, uh, mm. not just makes the eunuch whole. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going with it. I think that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, I mean, I guess I'm thinking about, I mean, I, when I was talking about it, I was trying to say, I was going to avoid going with growing in numbers, but it does seem like growing in numbers is a piece of the book of Acts. They make a point of like mentioning, mm-hmm. well, I'm like a thousand people were baptized that day. What? So to think about what growing in numbers actually means and what it looks like, um, and to think about it beyond, I mean, as you say, like to think about it beyond adding people to the roles for the sake of, um, for the sake of your own demographic good looks, to say, what does it mean to actually grow your circle of connection, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that look like everybody becoming members of your church. <laughs> that that might not actually be what it looks like, but it does, but it does probably look like growing that, growing this, the circle of people that you're connected to. Um, and that's going to mean things are going to change for you. So it, it might make us whole, but it's also going to change us at the same time. Yeah. I think the other part of the John reading that I, that I will probably hit 
have to discern whether I'm going to hit it or not because it's one of those things where when we stay in John for a long time, John picks it lots of... There are lots of squirrels in John that I want to chase because they bother me. Um, right? Like, abide in me. Just do this. Like, it's a... This, there's a lot of commandment language in this, right? Keep my commandments mm-hmm. and you'll abide. And and my, my southern upbringing is just incredibly sensitive uh, to that sneaky works righteousness. Just believe and everything will be okay. Uh, but I love what it says in verse 16, uh, the emphasis there, which, which adds nuance and says something very different than that. Uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I think that has something to say to what, what you're getting at as well, is who is, who is the you in this? Who's, who, is Je- who is Jesus talking to? Um, perhaps within the text, the, the disciple group. Um, but as we read it, who else is reading that God chose you? Um, and to encounter and engage the world with the expectation that God has chosen uh, chosen the other, uh, that is not just me, um, might open us up for that Acts, Acts kind of experience. Yeah, and as we continue thinking about, yeah, who is you? Where do you locate yourself in this in this dialogue? The other thing we get that ties back to the last to last week, the and the week before last week, especially. That lay down one's life. We were talking about that with the Good Shepherd, too. The Good Shepherd lays down his life. But to think about what that means, if you want to get beyond, I mean, what does that mean? Like, how is that How is that salvific? Yeah, I know, like, Christians say that all the time. But what if you looked at that afresh and said, what? Like, what might this actually mean? Um, might it mean giving up... Uh, the way that you currently think about the world in order to grow that, in order to grow that circle of friendship, that circle of kinship, what would you have to give up to actually be a part of that? Would you have to let go of, um, and letting go of something is a little bit different from like having to do something, you know? Um, I don't know. I would think about that later on one's life too. I think it gets into, it gets us into, um, one of your favorite things, uh, mystagogy, right? In this oh, Easter season. Uh, last right? night, I led a session on mystagogy with my students. <laughs> Gagioji. <laughs> right? Like, so in this season of Easter, uh, we are continuing. I mean, I know it's like now the, the beginning of May, but we're continuing to look back to think about what Easter means. What does the resurrection mean? I mean, I, I still think every sermon in the Easter season mm-hmm. should at least in part engage. I mean, every sermon, no matter what Sunday it is, it's, it's a resurrection Sunday, right? But especially in this Easter season, um, you ought to be thinking about what, that, what the resurrection means in light of these texts. I agree. I like Mr. Goji, reflect on it. Get into the nuts and bolts of it. We had somebody share such a good story last night that they um, we had them do a mystagogical reflection on a time in life that turned out to be a period of great transition. And they had a beautiful story of folding socks in a homeless shelter. Uh, and that was the concrete thing, uh, which I think, right, like that's a part of what this mystagogical reflection calls us to do, like that God might be somehow present in the socks. Uh, so the next time you're folding socks, uh, beware, that's where God might be dwelling. Um, wow. Right? Oh. These these texts are a little short on details, unless you're into genital stuff, I guess. Uh, so you might have to bring some of that yourself, because this is kind of preachy text, aren't they? Mm-hmm. There's not yeah. real narrative in it, you know? Um, no, you get a lot of the uh, repetitive words. Um, fruit, fruit. Fruit, love, commandment, abide, friends, Joey, Monica, mm-hmm. Rachel Chandler. 
Yeah. Hey, get in a time machine this week. Go back about 20 years. Preach a sermon about Friends, the TV show, and you are going to kill it. Call up the Rembrandts. They need work today. They need work these days. They'll come play your church. It'll be great. Get a fountain. That's a very baptismal imagery. Splash around in that fountain. <laughs> Don't get a job, though, because that would ruin the whole aesthetic. No jobs. Matt, what are you listening to uh, post- Post Coachella. Post Coachella. Post Coachella. All right. So I got three songs and yeah, they're all drawn from uh, from Coachella because I'm still basking in the afterglow of <laughs> Coachella. Also been listening to a lot of REM for completely unrelated reasons <laughs> that we'll, I'm sure, continue talking about. Um, Did you listen to the episode today, Matt? It was so good. I haven't heard it yet. No. It actually has a friend's tie-in that I, I was trying to, <laughs> to hold back on mentioning because it's such incredibly inside baseball, but... oh wow okay um so so yeah i had to throw uh heim oh with a base space uh very jealous of your upcoming red rocks experience uh in the reading from acts uh, the gift of the holy spirit is poured out even on the gentiles because the Gentiles were asking for just a little of your love. Oh, man. Give me just a little of your love uh, by Haim. I think from their first album, they're really good. You just need to enjoy their beautiful harmonies and incredible guitar shredding. Did you know, Matt, I I finally put it together. So I've, of course, purchased both albums now. Uh, They have a song called Honey and I on the first album, uh, which I don't know what the connection is yet. I got to get into it. Because uh, I just realized it today, listening to Are You Talking R.E.M. Me, Out of Time features the song Me and Honey. <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. I'm hopeful what? that there will be uh, be some crossover connections there. Wow. Oh, they're really good, you guys. And then, um, yeah, our Sunday artists, uh, Portugal the Man, one song that uh, that I didn't know. Uh, they have this song that started out, I Feel Like a Motherless Child. It sort of sampled that old gospel song. Yeah. And then it was like this stomp that like kept going. It had a really nice little stomp to it. Uh, so I found that song online. It's The name of the song is actually Number One. It's by Portugal the Man. And I was thinking about that motherless child since uh, – the first John, our epistle reading, talks about the parent that loves the child uh, and that we are part of this kinship. Whether you feel like a motherless child uh, or not, we're part of a new kinship. So, yeah, Portugal the Man, number one. Mm. And then, uh, you know, Jesus says that he appointed us to go and bear fruit. Bear fruit like bear fruit. the fruit themed song. Date Miguel's. <laughs> Date shakes. My favorite thing about the date shake was that I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. And Zach was like, well, you've never had it before? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just been a while. I just thought, yeah, that's okay. And then it was really good. I, maybe it was having driven for like three and a half hours. That Nectar it was like, of the gods. That's actually what we needed. Nectar of the gods. If you're ever in the I'm a big date fan. <laughs> Go get some dates. Um, but uh, yeah, different kind of fruit. Uh, Miguel's pineapple skies. Pineapple skies. Oh, pineapple. 
Everything's going to be all right. Miguel, pineapple skies. I like it. I like it. Man, I do not have Coachella artists, but I think I've got some good stuff. I mean, I kind of do, kind of not. Um, again, I when I first read the John this week, uh, the thing that strikes me in the midst of all this believing and abiding is, of course, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I found a track I had never heard before. Marvin Gaye has a song called Why Did I Choose You? And it's really interesting. It is not... I don't know if I love it or anything, uh, but it's worth listening to. It it feels like almost like cross some Marvin Gaye with like some Bing Crosby ish sort of like schmoozy ish. Uh, why did I choose? And I don't even know what it means. I looked at the lyrics. Why? Because it sounds you assume that all of Marvin Gaye's songs are very sexual, typically in a heterosexual way. But why did I choose you? What did I see in you? I saw the heart you hide so well. I saw a quiet man who had a gentle way. Uh, why did I choose you, Marvin Gaye? If I had to choose you again, I would still choose you. <sighs> a love to last a lifetime through. It's so good. It's so good. Um, or, I don't know if it's so good. That's just a, a verbal tick. Good. Um, good stuff. Interesting. But then, Matt, uh, we're going to get down to the business of, uh, of redefining family is a critical, critical thing going on here. And I thought about going Kanye, family business. Um, Good one. Which Classic. Is, which is an expansive description of what family is, right? All Love of it. his um, uh, people in the shy are his family. Uh, but I'm going to go a little different because uh, one of the takeaways from Coachella is that uh, it was it was certainly a year of uh, female leads. I'm going Mary J. Blige, family affair, which... Uh, as I read it, doesn't seem to have very much to do with family at all, but it's a good song. Um, it's a good song. So, uh, Family Affair. Uh, then, Matt, I am going to take your corner um, because I hinted at it, Matt. I hinted at it when I was talking about it. This this new family, this new kinship group that Jesus is, is, is grafting us onto, is growing in the world, is a family group that is not dependent on our genetics, Matt. It is not dependent on our DNA, and yet it calls us to some loyalty to all the children of God. I'm going, K-Dot, uh, Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> DNA. Pulitzer Prize winner, Kendrick Yeah, that's, that's in honor of the Pulitzer uh, laureate, do you see a laureate? Are you a Nobel laureate? A Pulitzer laureate? I think so. Maybe. Yeah. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. I did, for uh, our listeners' sake, I tried, uh, I've been listening a little bit to the J. Cole, the new J. Cole album, uh, mm. and couldn't find anything that really worked. Yeah. No. Yeah. I tried listening to it while working, and I was like, I can't do this while working. I'm not to like yeah, was listen problem. to this in the car on the way home. But. I read some of the reviews, and it wasn't good. Uh, but big news, Matt. <laughs> Uh, well, I didn't put 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 Yay on the uh, on the playlist. News dropping this week: two albums coming out. Yeah, a new solo yeah. album, the Kid <laughs> Cudi album, and he's producing a Nas album. My brother said, "I love it when Kanye remembers he has Twitter." <laughs> <laughs> it's good. We'll see what he actually does. I'm skeptical of anything Kanye says he's going to do, but he is one of our greatest living artists. So if he comes through. It's always possibility, man. It's like when, there it. when there's a stage, there's possibility. When so. there's a stage, there's a possibility. Matt, dare I say, when there's a pulpit, there's Ooh. possibility. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but if you're one of those people who walks around, no possibility, very limited possibility. Stay in the pulpit. <laughs> What's the good news? What's the good news, man? Oh, gosh, you always get me with that question. The Reverend Bishop, Dr. Craig Satterley, memorial question. What is the good news? 
Yeah, I guess I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna use Peter's words. Now that I do good news is a question. Can anyone withhold the water? Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing mm. these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Can anyone withhold the water? What? The answer is no. <laughs> but it's more effective as a question hanging out there. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. There's a lot to play with with that, you know. Um, it's hard to hold the water, man. You could also add the rain uh, from Misty Misdemeanor Elliot onto the playlist uh, with your with your good She'd news. Be a good, like old school headliner. That I would be pretty excited for that, man. <laughs> pretty <laughs> excited. I think she actually is she playing FYF this year. FYF. What's FYF? Maybe it was last year. I think it was last oh, year. Oh, FYF. <laughs> Yeah, she was there. She was at mm. FYF last year. FYF is the festival at Exposition Park. It's like two days. At the bunk of, a, you of can, you California can Stadium. Across the street at St. Mark's. Oh. It was, oh, last year the headliners were Missy Elliott and Bjork. That's very bizarre. Fantastic. Matt, my good news uh, would be some... I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. Um, but combining the You Are My Friends... Um, I have called you friends, uh, but I chose you. And maybe what I would do, maybe what I'll do is uh, a thing that college students aren't aware of is how hard it is to make friends, like in the real world. And uh, maybe I'll throw in a bunch of like terrible, uh, I don't have terrible dating stories because Hannah and I got married so young, but I have lots of really bad friend dating stories about how bad we were at making friends in the real world and that it requires work and effort. Um, And that... Uh, in the midst of that loneliness, uh, the God who comes and says, you are my friend, I choose you, uh, is just, uh, can be some transformative good news. Fantastic. I feel like Caleb Craner has done workshops on like how to make friends for adults. Because <laughs> it's a real thing. It's a real thing, man. Who said, somebody was posting things uh, Holy Week that was like, why doesn't anybody talk about the real miracle that Jesus had 12 close friends in his <laughs> yeah. 30s? It's that's, like, oh yeah, that's yeah. Agreed, agreed. Matt, I've got a two-year-old birthday party on Saturday. It's going to be super intense. She's already two years old. She started losing wow. her damn mind, screaming no at me all the time. Now she runs around the house. One of the we're now in the in the Dad Chella section of the pod. Welcome. This yeah, this is another episode of Dad Chella. Um, <laughs> one of our my parenting strategies has been that I'm not okay with having a child with a nut allergy. So I've gone out of my way to just cover her in nuts uh, so that she won't develop it, right? So just smear peanut butter all over her face uh, from day one. Uh, Feed her nuts as much as possible. She still can't take them to school uh, because the other children are weak. But uh, she's really into nuts right now, and she runs around the house screaming, My nuts! My nuts! (laughs) I can't eat nuts because she'll approach me and say, My nuts! Which is the bizarrest thing for my two-year-old to scream. That's fantastic. Mm. All right, Matt, be sure to uh, get on the, the, the internets, the internet tubes. Uh, get yourself one of these sweet shirts, especially those of you who aren't wearing yes. shirts right now. Hey, also, heads up, friends, I just saw it. Uh, you can't see it. It's a, it's an audio format, but Matt is still wearing his Coachella wristband. Uh, so. It's true. True. <laughs> so he is dedicated. You don't even know what time this uh, episode was recorded, but 
Yeah, I was presenting at the table on Sunday, and I like lifted up my hands, and like the the rope kind of falls down your arm a little bit, you know, <laughs> just to reveal this wristband. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were the only person in the ELCA who presided on Sunday. <laughs> With like a wristband. wristband. Probably. <laughs> oh. I would like to know. I imagine we were the only ELCA clergy in attendance at Coachella this year, right? Probably. All right, I gotta go pick up my daughter so she can yell my nuts at me in the, in, in real life. All right, have fun. All right, it's been real vital. Vital.